0: it's wednesday night and we are in a subject in revelation and we've had a reason for being there before i get into the teaching i was talking to a fellow this afternoon and i said greek is not as hard as what you think when you learn one word a lot of times you learn a lot of words with it. When you're looking something up in your concordance, look be sure and pay attention if it says this is from and it'll give you a number, look up that number and you'll see another word that spells similar. If you uh if you can learn the prefixes on words, that makes it a lot easier. I'm always giving you the Alpha privative. The alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Alpha privative. It means this, if your your concordance says from one, the alpha is the first thing in your concordance. It's an alpha, it's an A. It'll say one, from one, and that means the alpha, as a neg, means negative particle. It'll say P-A-R-T. As a neg part, negative particle, it negates this word and gives an opposite meaning. So when you have an alpha privative, Whenever you have the word, A-D-E-S, that is, do y'all remember what that word is? A-D-E-S. A-D-E-S. What is it? It's got a diacritical mark there, which is a breathing sound. What is it? Hades. Hades. It actually comes from the alpha primitive and the word ido. Ito means to perceive or see. Perceive or to see. Well Hades doesn't mean that's the word whether anybody likes it or not. Now when uh Billy Sunday was a preacher in the early 1900s he pre- he preceded Billy Graham and he was his showman he'd get up my father wanted to be Billy Sunday is what he wanted to be and Billy Sunday would grab a chair and he'd hold it up in the air and say it's not Hades it's hell H-E-double-L I'm sorry Billy it's Hades <laughs> it means the place of the unseen you can't see it now you can remember Hades when I give you the Jews said they could not see bodies in a sepulcher. So the sepulcher was a place of the unseen, and they could not see uh, the unbeliever, unbeliever, or the believer. So both of them, according to Jewish custom, they were both in hell. There was a good compartment to hell, or the place of the unseen, a good compartment, and there was the bad compartment, that's where the rich man died, and in hell he lifted up his eyes. They also said they couldn't see uh, where the body was, the body in the tomb, so the body was over there in a tomb, and it was in hell also. This is the way the Jews talked. And then they said they could not see, they could not see the believer's body. It was over there in the tomb. And it was also in hell. So they had all these places. So whenever you learn... Hades, and you learn what they thought it was there's a bad compartment where people die in their sin, and then there's a good compartment where you're not seen. that's where hades comes from the place of the unseen so let me give you a couple more of these. Then you got the word adiacritos a d i a kart e s a d i a K-R-I-T-E-S it means no when it's a it has to be a negative particle If it, it might say or a connecting particle, that's different but it'll tell you if it's connecting, but if it's as, as a neg part, that's what it means. Decretase comes from the word the alpha no no dia, the method. I've said that so many times. And krites, krites is the word judge. K r t e s. And krites is the common word for judge. Judge. Dia kritis, or dia Crino We've said this so many times. Huh? You got just. judge Always. means to judge <laughs> ok means to judge Diocrino means the method of judging and I brought that out <clears throat> if you'll say this mountain be our movement not doubt in your heart it's the word doubt it's also the word stagger Abraham staggered not at the promise of God so <clears throat> I What would that mean? It would mean no judging, impartial. You're not judging, you're impartial. It actually is the word impartial. And boy, I could go off on partiality and spend half a day. And then you got the word just is the word decay or right you'll have the word just or right. And does anybody remember the word right? Does anybody remember that? I've said it a thousand times if I've said it once. <laughs> D-I-K-E. D-K. That's the word right. You can remember righteous. Because righteous comes from the word right. D-K-I-O. D-I-K-A-I-O-O-S-U-N-E. D-K-I-O comes from D-K. That's the word righteous. Well, righteous means what is right. That's all it means. It's not hard to figure out. Now, let me give you a couple more of these. Adakia. Adakia. You ought to be able to guess what this means. A-D-I-K-I-A. I, I, what does that look like? Doesn't that look like DK with the alpha proof in front of it? Isn't that what it looks like? It would be unrighteous. It's not even hard to figure out, is it? When you get to learning, let me give you a couple more of these. Agonia, A-G-O-N-I-A. We get our word agony from that, and the agon was the arena where they would fight. You have the word adunatos, A-D-U-N-A-T-O-S. You know what I'm doing? I'm merely giving you what's in your concordance. A-D-U-N-A-T-O-S A-D-U-N-A-T-O-S What does that look like? Does anybody know what it looks like? There's two words for power in the Bible. What? Dunamis. It's it's the negative of dunamis. D-U-N-A-M-I-S The gospel is the power of God, the dunamis of God to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So adunamis would mean, we get the word dynamite from this, means power. What would adunamis mean? It it is the word weak. So that's the way you can think of this. I'm just giving you a few of these. Do you remember the word death? Huh? Thanatos or Thanos? T H A N A T O S. What would Athanatos mean? It would mean actually. Word is the word. Athanasia, A-T-H-A-N-A-S-I-A. It's just their variation on it. A-N-A-T-H-A-N-A-S-I-A. It means immortality. Death shall be swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting or grave? Where is thy victory? That's when we become immortal. I've got all kinds of these. What would... What would A-T-H-E-O-S be? Huh? What is theos? The word God. It would mean without God, or we get the word A-T-H-I-E-S-T. Atheist, no God. An atheist believes there is no God. I'm trying to just give you a way to recognize words. Uh, there's a word akaros, a k a i r o s, a k a i r o s. Does anybody remember the word kairos? We'll get the word chronometer, which is, which means an instrument they use on the ocean that gives you the exact time. When the Bible says, be instant in season and out of season, out of season means when the timing is not right, when it's inconvenient, tell people the truth anyway. <laughs> That's tough, isn't it? Ooh. And I can go on and on. Amakos, A-M-A-C-H-O-S. What is a word there you recognize? Huh? Macho. um. Macho. Macho, Machomai. M a c h o m a i. The Bible says God's people do not strive or fight. Amakos means no macho, no fighting it's not hard to learn a lot of these words let me give you something i'm going to teach on tonight once you learn some of the words in in line it's not hard to get a lot of the rest let me wait for i believe this let me give you something else maybe you recognize some of this this is one time in the bible APO D I APO D I O R I Z O Apo di Horizo. You recognize one part of that, don't you? You recognize Apo and Horizo, don't you? It means off with the boundary. It's mentioned over there in Jude nineteen. The people who separate themselves from God. So horizo can be used in a bad way because prohorizo is the word predestinate. Ridzo is the word separate. Well, let me get get on with the. Uh, I'll give you some more of these along the way, huh? thanatos is death and it, i said athanos or athanasia, means immortality means no dying Eternal life? Eternal life? well but that's talking about it that's used for immortality when you get into immortality in first corinthians 15 chapter uh, this mortal pus- must put on immortality Immortality is the word anath- athanasia. Athanasia. And this means to take, this word apodiobriso means to disjoin a boundary or separate oneself. Once you learn these prefixes, you've got all kinds of prefixes. you got anti, A-N-T-I, means an opposition to, or it means instead of, anti that's our word anti or anti the Bible says he that denieth Christ is anti-Christ you're not the anti-Christ but if you deny and that's in 1 John 2.22 2.22 if you want to say I don't believe in predestination for the time being, you're being anti-Christ. Anti means instead of, instead of, or to oppose. You're opposing Christ if you say what he said is not true. If you deny it, this word deny means to contradict. A R N E O M A I. A lot of people don't know they're being antichrist when they say, I believe that Christmas is okay, and I believe I don't believe in predestination, you're being antichrist. it's what you're being. Maybe this will challenge you to learn more of these Greek words. I'll come back and give you some more next week. I want to teach you to learn to decipher the Greek language by breaking the words down. That's how you learn it more than anything else. Let me give you something else, and that'll go with the message tonight. If you're looking at the word kingdom, I'm going to be talking about the kingdom of God tonight. And let me give this to you. Kingdom. And I'm going to, you can write this down or it's in your concordance. I want to teach you how to look at your concordance. You've got all these prefixes. You have en, which means within. You've got epi, which means to cover with. And you've got all these other prefixes Apo means off with. Uh, you got dozens and dozens of them. Whenever I'm talking about the kingdom of God, kingdom of God, the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven were one and the same. Why kingdom of God and not kingdom of heaven? Or why kingdom of heaven and not kingdom of God? The Jews said about 200 B.C. I got this from one of my writers. He said that the Jews did not want to bring reproach upon uh, the name God. They said and people get hold of the word name and they don't even know what the name of God is. Name is the word is the word Onoma in the Greek. Onoma and it's the word Shem in the Hebrew. And it, it does not mean James or Jim. That's not my name. My name is Brown. Jim just differentiates me from the other Browns. Uh, that Jim Brown is the guy that preaches in Hendersonville and says all those Greek words well they both mean authority so God's word or God's name is his authority people say well his name is Yahweh Y-A-H-W-E-H well that's a tetragram it's not actually Yahweh. There were no vowels in the Hebrew language. There were none. There were vowel points, little points they would put on the words. That's why they had so many guttural sounds. You know, that kind of like that. If Yahweh. You, if you translated a Y into English, you made it a J. You cannot translate a J. Jehovah would not be pronounced J, Jehovah. There are no J's. When a Y is used and it's translated over to English, they translate it J. The Y was a Yod. Now when the Greeks translated it, that's the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet. They called it a Jot. And Jesus said the jots or tittles will not be changed. And that's all the Pharisees did. They changed all kinds of jots and tittles. A tittle was the smallest mark on a on a Hebrew letter. It was a little tit, is what it was. And that little tittle, if you translate if you knock off that tittle right there, you changed an R to a B. You can't do that and they did so Yahweh his name people say what's his name and they took this tetragram y-h-w-h that they found in ruins and the y is a j so they actually added the y we say j-e-h-o-v-a-h and what, what if we did it properly, we'd change the J back to a Y and we'd knock out the vowels. Can't see nothing. You'd knock out the vowels and a V and a W are the same thing. So you've got a Y-H-W-H. Jehovah is Yahweh. Besides that, you, thou shalt call his name Wonderful Counselor, mighty God, Heavenly Father, Prince of Peace. So these people are saying Yahweh, I'm saying, Well what about wonderful and counselor? Morning <laughs> star? Yeah. And when when the Bible says that Jesus is going to back on a great white horse and a half upon his thigh, his name will be the Word of God. How about the Word? How about a Word? That's his name. That's his authority because that is his authority. Your first name is not your name. You get your name when you're conceived. I became a Brown at conception, but they hadn't called me Jim yet. That is my That is my name or my authority. I got Harless Brown's real loud piercing voice when I was conceived. And that's true. And I got this drive that from him when I was conceived. So that's your name. Your name is your not your first name. It's when you were conceived. What about females? Well, you get you get your name too. But it got changed. Well, this changing names has to do God didn't count females much in the Bible I'm sorry (laughs) no he 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 said I'm tired of the females not being counted so he said I want you to give them a bill of divorce when it's time let me give you these other words this will help you to understand I'm talking about the kingdom of God kingdom of God our kingdom of heaven, were the same thing. The Jews said we didn't want to bring reproach upon the name of God, so they said what we'll do, we'll knock out the O and put G-D. That's whenever you see that, that's somebody, some Hebrew is in charge of the printing, and they don't want to bring reproach. So Matthew says... Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's what it says. Kingdom of heaven. And Luke says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. They're one and the same. And that's why it's believed that Matthew was written leaning towards the Hebrews because Matthew would say things that lean toward them understanding. Now, let me give you the word... Kingdom and words that are associated with it with it. Let me give you this. Here is the word kingdom or royalty. B A S I L E I A. Basilia. Then you have the this is the word royalty, kingdom. Royalty or reign. Or reign. Then you've got the word basilion. B A S I L E I O N. B A S I L E I O N. Basilion is the word palace or king's court. Palace or king's court. Court and all of these words have to do with one another. Then you've got the word basilios, b a s i l e i o s, b a s i l e i o s. If you notice, they got basically the same stem on the front of the word. That's the basis of the word. Then you got this word basilios. And that means kingly or royal. Kingly or royal. Then you got the word basileus. B-A-S-I-L. Notice they all got the same stem. Basileus, B-S-I-L-E-U-S. And basileus means sovereign. That means one who rules means sovereign Our basis of power. That would have to do with the king of power. Then after Basiliush, you, she got Basileuah. B-A-S-I-L-E-U-O. A-A-S-I-L-E-U-O. And these all come from the same page out of a concordance. So if you look at one of them, look at the words before and after it. And it's going to tell you in here to look at these other words. B-A-S-I-L-E-U-O means king or reign. Well, if you're going to study rain, you need to study all these words. How are you going to find out all of them? If you have a word study concordance, you look up the word in your in your uh, strongs. Then you go to the number in here, and it'll give you all these words one right after the other and every time they're mentioned in the Bible. And you'll find that king and reign and kingdom are all kin to one another. These are, don't print them anymore, the word study concordance, but you can get the English lexicon and it'll tell you the same thing. It's an English lexicon concordance. You'll You'll turn over to a page and it'll give you every time this word is mentioned. Right here. All down here. Every time this word's mentioned, every time that word's mentioned. Sometimes they're not the same word in the different verses. Now, let me give you give you the rest of these. So if I'm going to preach on the kingdom of God, i got to remember these things. The reign of a king is kin to the kingdom so anytime the bible says we shall reign with him in the kingdom of god you got to remember where is the kingdom of god in luke the 17th chapter the the apostles and the pharisees came to jesus they said are you going to restore the kingdom and he said the kingdom cometh not with observation it's not something you can see anymore for the kingdom of God is in you and they said wherever the king was the kingdom was consummate it was consummated there so if Christ is in you Colossians one twenty seven, the hope of glory and you look at at the 14th chapter of John where Christ is in you and you're in him then all this kingdom and everything that's here is in us. And the kingdom is here now. What, what, do you, what rules the kingdom? A king? Or does that make us kings? <laughs> well, certainly it does. He hath made us priests and kings that's in the first chapter of Revelation we're already kings what do kings do? they declare righteous judgment look not at the outward appearance but judge quino I said that a while ago judge righteous judgment so that's what a king does and a priest does what? he offers sacrifice sacrifice. where does that tell us to do that Romans 12 and 1 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice how do you do that will you die daily when you tell people the truth and they don't like it and they crucify you for it at first it's not fun being crucified you know why you're trying to hold on to the world and God at the same time. What makes you uncomfortable trying to hold on to self? You're trying to let people off the hook. You get free. I said this Sunday. You get free when you let go of self. You say, well, I've already got about 100 people hate me. One more ain't going to matter. And it won't. If you come to that place. So, we're priests and kings. Let me give you the rest of these. Let me move this out of the way. And then I'll get back to the lesson we've been in. Then, Basilua, Basilua means the king or reign. Now, you ought to be able to recognize this. Basilikos, B-S-I-L-I-K-O-S. What is a basilikos? Huh? Basilikos means preeminent, kings, royal or nobleman or sovereign, kings. What is St. Peter's basilica? It's St. Peter's kingdom, isn't it? And that's what they call that big castle that he lives in, the Vatican. And it's a castle. That's St. Peter's kingdom. Except it's not his kingdom. And all that's phony. So it means a king's sovereign. So whenever we get to reign, R-E-I-N, R-E-I-G-N, It's going to be one of these, that we reign with Christ, and we have reigned, and we shall reign. We're in the kingdom of God right now. We are in spiritual Israel. That's called the kingdom of God. Then you have the word basilisa. Maybe you can guess what that would be. B-A-S-I-L-I-S-S-A. What would, you, what would you kind of guess that would mean? Lissa. <laughs> what would Issa mean? Huh? What? Queen. It's the word queen. It's kind of like Alyssa. Queen. It, it, it just makes sense when you start looking at these words. they got one other word. It'll tell you on these others to, to see... Say C935, and 935 is B-A-S-I-S. It means the foot or walk. It's how we walk that determines if we're in the kingdom of God, and these are all the same. Now, I've been talking to you about the king. I've been noticing something in the book of Revelation. I have never, I've taught four years on it. And I'm seeing something that Revelation is a picture of us in the kingdom. Go back to Revelation, the first chapter. The Bible says, in the first verse, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, why would he tell us this is the revelation? Revelation, what's the word? What is it? Apocalypto. What? Apocalypto. Not coluptor Coluptus. Apocalypsis. Apocalypto is the word revealed. Here's the word revelation. Apo. K A L U P S I S. It's a form of Apo K A L U P colupto is the word cover apo means a removal of the cover has the same meaning as truth truth is the word a-l-e-t-h-e-i-a this is the word truth revelation has the basic same meaning as the word truth truth comes from lanthano lanthano means to hide or conceal. Hide or conceal and the alpha privative is in front of that in the text. So it means not to hide anything. Tell the whole of the story. Pull the cover off. That's basically taking off the cover. That's the word Revelation. So why would he say, the revelation of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to tell you some real mysterious things that you can't understand. He's not going to do that. I have discovered this week that revelation is a picture of us standing before the Ark of the Covenant in the temple of God. That's what the whole book is about. It's, I don't know if anybody even knows that. I never heard anybody even say anything close to that. Now, let's read the rest of the verse. The revelation of Jesus Christ, not revelations, uh, S, no S's on it. The taking off of the cover of Jesus. He is in the temple of God, and what is the temple of God now? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? this over here I'm going to erase this I need the board there the temple over here it's going to take me a while to get through this, this temple over here the temple had the same exact measurements as the tabernacle in the wilderness. See the tabernacle over there? That's the tabernacle in the wilderness. Tabernacle, by the way, is the word, is the word skews, S-K-E-U-S. On the screen, too. Uh, on the screen. TV. What about it? Tabernacle. Well, there's the temple here. Here's the brazen sea, the brassy sea that we're going to look at in the fourth chapter of Revelation. This is it. It's called the sea. You have to understand when Israel came out of Egypt, they had a laver, it was just a place for the priest to wash. But they began to multiply. And when Solomon built the temple, they had to have a sea that held 2,000 gallons. It had actually held 2,000 baths, is the way they put it in the Bible. 2,000 baths for the priests. The priests would offer a sacrifice on this altar. Then they'd come over here and wash. And you can see uh, water flowing out here. They'd come over and wash. There were There were... Three uh oxen facing north, south, east, and west, and they were setting up on those oxen, and that all has a story to it, and so they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back, bringing it in to the temple, and they're going to put it back here, and everything over here, everything over here. Here's the candlesticks, table of showbread, altar of incense, and this is the Ark of the Covenant. <clears throat> Ark of the Covenant. This is the they replaced the labor with the with the brazen sea. Some people say that was brass. And others said it was copper. It doesn't matter what it is. It was God's sea. And this was the golden candlesticks. You had six pieces of furniture in the temple where the priest had to had to serve God. These four in here, the candlesticks, the, the golden altar, anytime you see a golden altar it's talking about this one, the altar of incense. The altar of incense. If you see the brazen altar or the altar where they offer the sacrifices, it's talking about this one out here. These were brass. These were gold in here. And they were beaten gold. Now, this over here is equal to to this over here I said this is like algebra it's like algebra this over here Okay. you've got to understand you cannot understand the New Testament without understanding the old the Ark of the Covenant was sprinkled you can find that over in Leviticus the 16th chapter It was sprinkled with the blood of a goat that was offered, not a lamb. The lamb was offered at Passover. At the Day of Atonement, a goat was offered. And then there was a scapegoat that they drove to the wilderness. That's another story. So a goat was offered, and the blood was brought in by the high priest once a year, one time a year, Where can I find that? Oh, well, you can find it over in Hebrews, the ninth chapter. You can find it all through the Old Testament. And one time a year, the high priest, high priest, and he had to be a descendant, either Aaron or one of his descendants. And we're going to go back and look at him. Aaron was was Moses' older brother. And he kind of got off track once in a while. Kind of messed up. One time, when Moses was up in the mountain, getting the law of God, the people said, Moses has been gone too long. He's not coming back down. And they went to Aaron and said, build us a golden calf. Here's all of our gold. And Aaron did it. He did it. And when Moses come down from the mountain, Moses said, "What is this?" And Aaron said, "Well, uh, uh, the people told me to build a calf, and we took a bunch of gold and threw it in the fire, and out jumped this calf. <laughs> you believe that? I got some. I got some land in Louisiana. I'd like to sell to you in the swamp." That's one of the funniest things that any of the guys in the Bible ever did. Aaron said, Well, we just didn't. uh, I pitched the gold to fire and I dropped this calf. (laughs) And Moses was livid, to say the least. Anyway, all of this is equal to this over here. And that's what we're getting to in Revelation the fourth chapter this is a picture of the believing church believing church and it's like all through revelation we are the candlesticks this is the church the church is the candlesticks the seven candlesticks the bible says so That's what gets me. Let me finish this, reading this in Revelation 1. God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Signify. Remember that word? Mm Simeon. Well, that's a form of it. Simeon, S-C-M-A-I-O-O. It's a form of S-E-M-E-I-O-N. That is the word sign. The Pharisees come to Jesus and said, "Give us a sign. Give us a Simeon. We always got signs. We got we got fire at night and a cloud by day, and we got our shoes never wore out and." We got manna in the morning and doves in the evening. We want signs. Jesus said, you don't get any more signs except the sign of the prophet Jonah and that's resurrection. This word sign means a flag, a signal. It means, it means a beacon. What are beacons for? If you got a beacon, you got a rocky place here and you got a white house here and it's got a it's got a a light going out there and flashing that is to tell ships don't come over here there's rocks over here that is a beacon that's a sign if you see this is very important because he's saying God's going to give you signs that point to the truth if you see it looks like a track and you're going up to this crossing over here on Old Shackle Island and it's got this post up here like this and it's got a and you got these lights and you got this thing that comes down like this. And these lights are going ding, 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 ding. That's a sign that there's a train coming. That is a simeon. The New Testament, and especially Revelation, has got all of these beacons that point to the truth. If you see a, a big sign on top of a building and it says firestone. Does that mean there's some stones that are on fire inside? No, that means they sell tires there. That's a Simeon. Now, <clears throat> and he starts the whole thing in Revelation with signs. <clears throat> and he says here, and you see in verse 4, and John, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Now you have to get into seven because you're going to have sevens all through here. You're going to have seven spirits, seven lamps, seven, uh, sevens, one right after the other, all through the book. Remember, seven in the Hebrew is the word Sheba. The queen of Sheba was the queen of Seven because that's what Sheba means in the Hebrew it means seven and it comes from the word Shabuah S-H-E-B-U-A-H and you'll get that out of your concordance just look at, you'll have about a half a dozen words that are related to one another in your concordance look at the words before it and after it, it comes from Shabuah which is the word oath and then it says, after it says oath, it says to seven oneself. And you say, gosh, I don't. It means to be seven or perfected. Seven is the number of divine perfection all through the Bible just like 12 is the number of the total church 7 is the number of the refined church so when you see Jesus here standing in the midst of 7 golden candlesticks and verse 12 he's standing in the middle of them where did the golden candlesticks come from I think it comes from over here and the temple and you'll find that in exodus the 25th chapter god starts off in revelation and he's talking about seven candlesticks which is jewish that gives you a signal this must be a jewish book it absolutely is and then you you see in Well, let me finish reading verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. You're going to find later on as we go into this book. That the throne of God. The throne was the Ark of the Covenant. He came down out of this cloud by day and fire by night and sat upon the Ark of the Covenant and ruled Israel from there. That was Jesus pre-incarnate. And we'll go into that later. So whatever happens here has to happen over here. The Bible says the high priest came in and sprinkled that Ark On the tenth day of the seventh month. The seventh month I wonder why he had it the seventh month. Could it have anything to do with seventh? Tenth day of the seventh month was the day of atonement. And the seventh month on their ecclesiastical calendar. E C C L I A S T I C A L. Ecclesiastical comes from the word E C C L E, or let me put it, spell it the way it should be. E K K L E S I A. That is the word church in the New Testament. Ek Kaleo called out we're called out of this world to live righteously now everything over here has to equal over here the ark of the covenant is sprinkled the bible says our hearts are sprinkled with pure water pure water was living water that was water that was running Was running water. The Jews called the water down in deep wells living water. Jesus told the woman at the well of Samaria, I'll give you living water and you'll never thirst again. She said, How can you? The well is very deep and you don't have anything to draw with. He said, I'm not talking about literal water. I'm talking about the Spirit. So he defines the Spirit as living water there. So anytime you find living water was cold. They had to drop a a rope maybe 100 feet down in the well of Jacob and pull up water, and it was cold. That's why the last verse of Matthew, the 10th chapter, says, If you give a man a cup of cold water... That your the love of God will not it will be in your house and around you. Cold water was living water. That doesn't sound like it makes sense if you're reading it unless you know they didn't have cold water faucets there. In fact, look at that real quick. Look at that. You have to know this. Look at Matthew ten. And if somebody reads this, say all you gotta do is go and give some bum a cup of cold water. (laughs) no I don't think so (laughs) I don't think that's what it's it's talking about living water and to get living water they had to go way down deep in a well verse 42 of chapter 10 whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water living water you have to know that all the waters there weren't cold they kept them in cisterns and they had flies and gnats around them and it was very warm or lukewarm. A cold water only in the name of a disciple I send you. He shall not lose his reward. Cold water was living water. That's a type and a picture of the Holy Spirit. Now, where do I need to go? Let's go back over here to Revelation. And look here in verse sixteen. Now here's Jesus standing in the midst of seven candlesticks, and the Bible says that seven candlesticks is the church. It says it in this chapter. So you're going to tie Exodus twenty-five, where God is giving Moses the instruction to build all the the temp, the tabernacle furniture he's telling him you can go to the 25th chapter of exodus in exodus the 20th chapter exodus 20 that's where moses comes down from the mountain he gets to the mountain in chapter 18 he comes down from the mountain in chapter 20 and he has the 10 commandments in his hand 10 commandments then when you get on further into this in the 25th chapter God has given Moses the instructions to build this furniture the candlesticks the table of showbread the altar of incense and the the ark of the covenant and he's given him instructions how to build this brazen sea and how to build this uh, brazen altar and how to build this right here that Brassy sea. Then he says here in verse 16, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two edged sword. You see that in the 19th chapter when he's coming back on a great white horse and a sharp sword is coming out of his mouth. That's the word of God. This is all Simeon, they're pictures. And if you don't understand that, you'll never understand this book. Can I ask you something: Yeah. You go back to that water: That don't really mean water, does it? No.: What well, it means it means the Holy Spirit? It means the Holy Spirit That's what it means. Coal they all knew what cold water was. It came from out of way down deep in the ground. What I'm asking you What? it's not water and we're to give to these little ones does that mean like you go out and witness well little ones are what God refers to as us he called us children or babies my little children these things write unto you that you sin not if any man sin we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous when you look at the 18th chapter of Matthew that anyone that offends one of these little ones you need to have a a stone tied around your neck and you need to be cast in the sea it's talking about baby believers because there are no real mature believers at this point Jesus just started his ministry and everybody's got oligospistus little faith puny faith let me go on here and he had in his right hand seven stars I can't see seven stars without five thousand dozen things going through my mind the Bible says, <clears throat> over in Amos, the, the fifth chapter, Seek not Bethlehem or Gilgal, is telling Israel. He says, for they're going to go into bondage. Northern Israel is going into captivity. But seek him that maketh the seven stars and Orion. If you don't know what the seven stars are, you're lost as a goose aren't you? The seven stars was the Pleiades. Pleiades, they call Pleiades the seven sisters in the stars. And the Jews said that the Pleiades, which you can see Pleiades in the spring, just as the dawn is coming, you can see the seven stars with the naked eye. And the Jews said that the Pleiades drew the sap up in the vine and gave them crops. The first judgment of God was famine, no crops. I'll give you I'll give you so much rain to wash your crops away. I'll send famine for three and a half years under the mouth of this Elijah. So the seven stars, and they said, Orion, drew the sap down in the winter and boy the pagans they said that was evil gods taking the crops away from them till the spring and i could go into the swastika and all of that and the big dipper i won't even go there but they said that the orion took the sap down so when god says seek him that maketh the seven stars don't seek the seven stars Boy, you've got to look at the word maketh. The one who made the seven stars. Don't seek the seven stars. And that's what Israel was doing. And the sweet influences of Pleiades was not, uh, Pleiades is affecting your life and you're going to have this kind of a life. That's not it. The sweet influences of Pleiades to the rabbis was the smell of the new mown hay. The apple blossoms coming out. God says, I will stop that blooming. I'll stop that. I'll bind the sweet influences of Pleiades. I'll loose the bands of Orion. Orion, they the rabbis said that Orion caused the sap to go down. And when God says I'll loose the bands of Orion, Orion bound the sap down in the ground through the winter. What he meant. Was we'll get into the middle of January, February, uh, like now, and I will cause warm weather to come in. The daffodils will start blooming. You're right in the middle of February, and the blossoms will start coming out on the trees. I'll hit you with a freeze. It'll kill your crops. They're saying, oh, please, God, don't do that. Tell the prophets not to say that. That's how he would... But you're not going to know that in the 38th chapter of Job if you don't look up Pleiades in a good set of a McLenic and Strong. If you don't look up the Orion, you don't know what the rabbi said. Now, back to this. Do you think that's connected with this? The seven stars was called the morning star because that's when they could see it was in the morning what do we call the morning star according to revelation the 22nd chapter jesus is the morning star isn't he if we have jesus are we going to have fruit are we going to have crops what's the fruit that we're going to have if we have christ Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long suffering. That's the everything over here that they said over here is going to be equivalent in our lives over here. It's you got to realize that the Bible is an equation, it's an algebra equation. If you find it over here, if equals are added to equals, the results are equal. If God has added something over here, look for it over here, spiritually. Spirit. Now, what are these seven stars? (laughs) What's amazing, the Bible says the seven stars are, are, is. You think that means equal? I think it does. And he says down here in verse 20. Verse 20 is a glossary for the whole book. Because you can find these seven candlesticks all through the book. You're going to find the seven spirits of God, which are the seven stars. Look here in verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand. Now whenever you see anything in the right hand of Christ... You're going to see the little book in his right hand. The right hand was the hand of authority. So he says, The mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, here's what they're equal to. The seven stars equals the seven angels of the seven churches. Seven means to... Means to take an oath to God, what do you have to do to be seven? Second Peter, one and five, besides all this, give all diligence, add to your faith, and it names seven things you have to add. starts off with virtue and that means maturity. How long does it take you to become mature in truth? Years and years and years and years takes a long time. And he names seven things. Knowledge, temperance, godliness, charity. Names all of these seven things. Agape, walking in God's commandments. Godliness, you can't do that all of a sudden. In order to be seven, it takes a long time to become seven. So he says... The seven stars in my right hand, they are the seven angels. Since it says angels, and there's seven of them, there's seven angels. Angel is the word A-G-G-E-L-O-S. Boy, I wish they hadn't put angel in the Bible, the translators. It just means messengers. Every time you see the word angel, it means Messenger. And you're going to have these same seven angels. Same seven. Revelation 8, 9, and 10. They have seven trumpets. I keep saying this. A trumpet is a voice. It tells you what to do at a certain time of the day. If it sounds reveille that's a signal to get up in the morning and meet formation. If it sounds... Da, 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 if it sounds... Da, 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 da. and it sounds charge it means go to battle if it sounds taps it means go to bed now and the seven the seven stars are the seven messengers of the seven candlesticks let me show you this and the seven candlesticks are the seven churches The whole purpose of a candlestick, the whole purpose of a candlestick is to give light. And what gives light, what gives light is the oil inside the candlesticks. The oil is a type of the message, and that gives the flame. And the only official flame in, in, in Israel was the candlestick, and that's the church. And God tells the churches in the second and third chapter, if you don't do right and live right, I'll remove your candlestick. I'll remove your flame. And the flame is like the truth. That exhibits the truth. Now, let me give you this. I've got to show you this as well. So, let me see here. All right. If the seven the seven stars equals the seven angels and that's a type of the oil in the candlesticks which is a picture of the holy spirit because always the holy spirit Throughout the Bible is represented as oil. And the oil is, they put olive oil in those candlesticks and it burned. Well, anything that the seven angels are equal to and the seven candlesticks equals the seven churches, doesn't it? Doesn't it equal that? Seven candlesticks? If we find anything else that equals to the candlestick, they're equal to each other, aren't they? So we go back to Zechariah. In Zechariah, next to the last book of the Old Testament, you see, go back to Zechariah, And you see, Zechariah is the prophet of God. I've got to tell you where Zechariah is. Zechariah is living around 520 B.C. There's two men living at this time that are very important. Zechariah and Haggai. Haggai, he had a job to tell Israel to get back to building, they were carried captive in five eighty six BC, eighty six BC, and then when they were carried captive, uh, they stayed captive in Babylon till five thirty nine BC, and that's when the Persians overthrew the Babylonians and they start ruling and they give these decrees in 539 539 B.C. to go back well it wasn't 539 that's when they conquered Babylon in 538 Cyrus gives a decree to Israel To leave Babylon, they're over here, about 650 miles away from from, uh, Babylon. Oh, here here you are. They've been over here in Babylon, and they're given decrees by Cyrus to come over here and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. That's in 538. They get so much flack from a man named Tatani i'm not going to go into him right now but they get so much flack they quit building in 536 bc 535 36 they quit in two years and they hadn't even begun to finish the temple and they stay just doing nothing till 520 bc for 16 years they're doing nothing And it was these two men, Haggai and Zechariah, that God called. He called them in Ezra, the fifth chapter, and told them to go tell Israel to get back busy building. So that was their job. And here is is Zechariah's writing about the seven candlesticks. And it tells you who they are and what they are and I won't go into all the story that's going on here, it says that there's two olive trees. And it tells you who the two olive trees are. Now you got two olive trees over in Revelation, the 11th chapter. And it calls these two olive trees the two witnesses. And you have to understand that it took two witnesses to verify any contract that God had with the people. You'll find that over in Numbers, the 35th chapter. They had to have two witnesses to everything that was said. And then you'll find it in Deuteronomy, the 17th chapter, and Deuteronomy, the 19th chapter. Not going to go into those right now. Now, two olive trees are equal. They're equal to the two witnesses. Now, look here what it says. The two anointed ones. Huh? The two anointed ones. Well, that's what it calls them. Now, look here in in, uh, Zechariah 4 and verse 10. For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice when they see the plummet, a plumb line, in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven candlesticks. They are. The seven candlesticks are, according to Zechariah, are the eyes of the Lord. So, the seven candlesticks equals eyes of the Lord. Right? So if the seven candlesticks equals the seven churches and the seven candlesticks equals the eyes of the Lord, then the seven candlesticks they're equal to the same thing, so they're equal to each other, aren't they? The seven churches are equal to the eyes of the Lord, right? Is that true? Yes. We read a verse in Second Chronicles, the sixteenth chapter the other day, last Sunday morning, where it says the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth showing himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards God. If the eyes of the Lord are the seven churches or the seven candlesticks, then the eyes of the Lord are going out to protect those people who are living righteously before God. The church should be protecting the church. That's what it's saying. Now, who are these? Let's read on down here. And you have two olive trees there that are emptying the olive oil out of the olive tree into the candlesticks because that's how they burn. They've got to have the olive oil. Here's the candlesticks right here. When you look at the candlesticks from the top, it's the Star of David, isn't it? The rabbis said that David wore the menorah, which is the seven candlesticks, on his shield. And this shield of David, this Star of David is called the Shield of David. I believe that's where it goes back to. Some people say, what are you doing with that pagan thing on the wall? I'm sorry, but that's the that's the seven candlesticks. Then he says, there's two olive trees earlier in this chapter. They're emptying their oil out of the olive trees into the seven candlesticks, which is the church. Well, who are these two olive trees? Let's read on. <clears throat> I answered and said to him, what be these two olive branches that are feeding the oil out of themselves into the seven candlesticks which is the church if it's the church over here and it's the eyes of the Lord over here they're the same thing which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves because they're olive trees and he answered me and said knowest thou not what these be and I said no my Lord then said he these are these two olive trees are the two anointed ones that stand or represent the Lord of the whole earth there were two anointed in the Old Testament who was that? Priest priest and king well let's look at that in Revelation the first chapter Revelation, the first chapter. It takes a long time to go through Revelation. That's why I did four years on it and had 236 messages. Still didn't finish it. Because I went through every word, the connection to the Old Testament. Look at verse 6. God hath made us kings and priests. He made us the candlesticks hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father to Him be glory and dominion forever ever and ever. Amen. Go to the 11th chapter of Revelation. 11th chapter. Now do you think God changes olive trees from Zechariah 4 to Revelation 11? No way. It's the same thing. Verse 3, I will give power unto my two witnesses, which we've already established that they're the priest and the king that represent God. And they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and days. I'll do that later. Clothed in sackcloth. So these are. These two witnesses are. Are is a form of the verb to be. It means they exist. It means they equal. These two witnesses are the two olive trees. Well, that's the priest and the king from Zechariah the fourth chapter, isn't it? These two are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. Exact same words in Zechariah, the fourth chapter. They stand or they represent God in the earth. That's the priest and the king. And that's us because Christ is in us. Christ is in us. And we give our bodies a living sacrifice. I could go on, and if any man will hurt the priest and the king, which is us, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. What does that mean? That we become (laughs) flamethrowers? That's not what that's talking about. It's talking about Jeremiah, the fifth chapter. And anywhere you find fire from the mouth, of believers, this is what it's talking about. Jeremiah, the fifth chapter, <inaudible> Jeremiah five, fourteen, Jeremiah five. wherefore thus saith the Lord God of hosts because you speak this word behold I will make my words in thy mouth fire and this people of Israel will be wood and the fire shall devour them he's talking about words from the mouth of his people now let's go back and look at the Let's go back to Revelation, the fourth chapter. I'm not going to get through this at all. I've got so much more. i got to get into the kingdom of God, Israel. That's us. The kingdom of God is in you. Now look here. We said last week, I'm probably going to... How much time do I have, Mike? Nine? Nine? I don't know how I can get through any of this. I'll just show you the... <laughs> I don't know where to even stop or start. This I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. Heaven is a term for Israel. When you look up heaven in the and strong, it will tell you, Wherever the scene of a prophetic vision is laid, heaven signifies symbolically the ruling power or government. That's the heavens. The ruled, those that are being ruled, was called the earth. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. Kingdom comes from the word rule and we are ruling with a scepter of righteousness over there in Hebrews, the first chapter in verse 8. We rule with a scepter of bowing to the will of God. The word is the and it means to bow to God's will. Wherever this heaven signifies power or rule, that is the whole assembly of the ruling powers which, which respect to the subjects on earth or a political heaven being over and over and ruling the subjects as the natural heaven stands over and rules the earth. Heaven and earth was political terms for the ruling class and the ruled. That's what it was. Now, I'm just going to read through this. I, I can't teach this quick. I may just stop right in the middle of a sentence, okay? <clears throat> the door was opened in heaven heaven is a term for Israel this is a picture of us standing in front of the the ark of the covenant is us in front of this that's what it is that's where the seven candlesticks were on the south side the southeast side of the outer sanctuary And that's us. And the first voice which I heard was a trumpet, talking. A trumpet tells you what to do. Talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven. Now you're going to find that this throne is the Ark of the Covenant. But this one over here has been blotted out. All the handwriting of rituals are blotted out. So there's a spiritual or very image. This over here was a shadow. Hebrews 10 and 1 was a shadow of good things to come and not the very image that's over here. That's the spiritual is the real thing. That's the spiritual our hearts are sprinkled just like this was sprinkled over here our hearts are the spiritual ark of the covenant you can look in the ninth chapter of Hebrews and the Bible says there were three things inside the ark there was Aaron's rod it budded God says I'm going to take 12 this is in numbers Numbers seventeen, and God says, "I'm going to take twelve sticks, dead rods. They're just sticks, and I'm going to place them out here. And the one that resurrects or buds, where a bud starts springing forth, that will be my high priest." And nobody else can be a high priest. Aaron's rod was the only God said, I'm going to take for the tribe of Levi. I'm going to take one for Aaron. And God says, the one that blossoms and resurrects from a dead stick. That's always the sign of truth. God says, that will be my high priest. That will be the one over here. That sprinkles the Ark of the Covenant, either him or one of his children, children of Eleazar or Ithamar. Ithamar or Eleazar. E L E I Z E R. It'll be one of these, though the only two sons. Now and then he says, immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven. That's the Ark of the Covenant. That's talking about our, our hearts. There's only two places where God's going to sprinkle. Either this, Ark of the Covenant, or our hearts. Well, the Bible says he sprinkles our hearts in Hebrews ten twenty-two: Our hearts are sprinkled with pure water, with living water, the Holy Spirit the truth and then he says round about the throne round about the Ark of the Covenant who got to come in and be around the Ark of the Covenant the high priest and nobody else and his sons he had two sons Ithamar and Eleazar, and there were 24 of them and you can find that in the 24th chapter of First Chronicles round about the throne were four and twenty seats upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders that is Ithamar and Eleazar's sons sitting clothed in white raiment that always the high priest could only go in wearing a white linen garment that's how he went through the veil and the Bible says now the veil is his flesh the flesh is the bread, and the bread's the body, and the body is the church. Body, church. And the Bible says, we being many are one bread. That was the table of show bread, Unleavened. Leaven was a type of sin. So we're that bread. We being many are one bread and one body, and that's the church. And in Colossians 1. 18 and 24. You can't study Revelation without using these signs, these simeons. You can't study it. That's why these guys are so confused. It is pictures. And then he goes on to say, And they had gold crowns upon their heads. The high priest wore a gold crown. I had two verses I wanted to give you last week. I gave you Exodus 28, 36. Let me give you these two verses. Exodus 28, 28, 36. This is talking about Aaron the high priest and his sons and thou shalt make a plate of pure gold and grave upon it like the engravings of a signet holiness to the Lord. And look at verse 38. And it shall be upon Aaron, Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel shall hallow in all their holy gifts and it shall be always upon his forehead. That's what they cast to the throne because the one on the throne or sitting on the Ark of the Covenant is Jesus, the true king and the true high priest. And he's a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek sitting upon the throne of our hearts. That's where he sits. And he said, I'm not going to live with a harlot of Babylon. He says to the church, I want you to clean your life up now then he says and out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings we don't know about that because we don't have any testimony to that other than the bible so evidently there was lightnings and thunders going on in this holy of holies and then he says and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne Before means in front of the throne. The throne was the Ark of the Covenant. And the seven lamps is the refined church. And then he says, and I can't go into all of this, which were the seven spirits of God. So the lamps burning are due to the olive oil that's in them, aren't they? Without the olive oil, there's no burning lamps which are the seven spirits of God, which are the seven angels of the seven churches, right? You go back to first chapter, verse 20, which is, so the seven spirits are the seven angels of the seven churches, right? And then he says, and before the throne, there was a sea of glass. Moses went to all the women this is what he says in Exodus 38. Exodus 38. And if this is not talking about that that glassy sea, I'll go into that next week. Exodus 38. And Moses tells all the women. In Exodus 38, verse 8 and Moses made the labor of brass and the foot of it of brass of the looking glasses of the women assembling it was a sea of glass of their looking glasses they had not perfected how we spin glass and make mirrors today and put the silver on the back of it they actually looked into a a brassy glass for the looking glasses. Moses said, I want all your looking glasses, all your vanity. Bring it to me. I'm making the labor and then I'll make the glassy sea of the sea of glass. And that's what you got over there. Here's the sea of glass right here. There it is. Seal glass, the glassy sea. It's really funny. It's real simple. All you got to do is look the words up, and it'll tell you exactly what it is. But I never heard a preacher ever do that. Never heard Jack Van Wimpy do that. Never heard Hal Lindsey do that. And it's real simple. Of course, you got to be familiar with the fact that it's over there. Before the throne, the throne was the, was the Ark of the Covenant. But since this has been blotted out over here, the Ark of the Covenant is our hearts. You had three things in the Ark. Aaron's rod that budded, the law written on tables of stone, and you had the, the pot of manna. And in our hearts... The law is written on fleshy tables of our hearts. We have a rod in Hebrews 1 and 8. Uh, the rod is it's a scepter of righteousness, and that's what we rule with as kings. We simply have Christ in our hearts. comes out of our mouths, of the abundance of the heart, which is the ark of the covenant. The mouth speaks. I'm not talking about the right ventricle and the left ventricle and the right auricle and the left auricle and the aorta and the bicuspid valve and the tricuspid valve. That's not the heart. That's what I studied in biology in 1954, at Ballwood High School. And that's not what the heart is. The heart's a place of understanding. I'm out of time. I'm going to have to come back and keep going. I'm trying the to teach... huh? The manna, the manna is the word of God in our hearts. The manna was the bread, and we being many are one bread and one body. Well, let's pray. Lord, thank you for these truths that you've given us. You are a magnificent God. You've let us see this. I I just, it saddens me the world can't see. Thank you for truth. Fight our battles. We don't even know what to ask you, just we bow to your will. Lead us to your family and open up doors for the ministry, and we'll praise you for everything. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. I can't get to the four beasts. That's... I have said this before, I hope there's some here. I hope y'all are getting a hold of it.